Ladies and gentlemen, a white hate is back this week. It's a big one. CM Punk and the show that changed wrestling forever and changed wrestling in the modern day, Money in the Bank 2011. Kevin, how you doing, pal? I'm great, pal. I can't wait to talk about one. Philip Jack Brooks. I mean, he just did an interview on ESPN. Um, and uh, we, I think it was Wade Keller I tweeted out. Could be wrong, but somebody in the wrestling community tweeted out. I'm pretty sure it was Wade Keller. was like, oh my God, this CM Punk interview is going to ruffle feathers. Oh, wow. And uh, he literally danced around the questions that we all wanted to hear him answer, which I think is a good thing for AEW and for their PR and for yeah. CM Punk's PR. You know, it was, uh, it's typical punk stuff. Just, oh, this guy took leeway with me in the ring. Oh, you know, he, he like, just stuff like that. Go ahead. We'll get to that. We'll unpack yeah. that a bit more. But there's, we've both got plenty to say on that and a lot of other big topics. Um, Kevin's on the run shape but today and there's some big questions. So stay tuned for that. Also, want to say last week we went hard with plugging the audio platforms with us on Spotify and every other platform we're on for audio. Wow. There was a big spike and yes. that's done that's done numbers for us. So once again, if you're a regular listener, that goes a long way. Just turn us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, whatever. It goes a long way for the show, doesn't it, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Turn us on while you're playing like Call of Duty or whatever. And just leave the audio off and just let, let, let this episode play. You know, yeah, give us a five star on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts or everywhere. Uh, that's greatly appreciated. The audio, we're trying to grow the audio. And uh, yeah, we, of course, the YouTube's going crazy for us. So yeah, big things going, pal. I'm ready to get into it. I'm ready to talk CM Punk, pal. Let, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, hit us off. All right, so I was talking about the ESPN interview. So I, I was referencing uh, when I said that, you know, Punk was talking about a guy taking leeways with him. He basically accused Hangman Page of, of hitting him in the mouth. Um, with, with a, a stiff shot, pal. So that's uh, literally what came out of CM Punk's mouth in this ESPN interview. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's talk about the interview in a whole. Let, let's dissect why CM Punk would want to do an ESPN interview. One, uh, Collision is this Saturday. So what is it, Thursday right now when we're recording this? Yes. So we're looking at, oh no, it's Friday. Yeah. So tomorrow, Collision is tomorrow, the debut episode of Collision. Wow. Interesting. I can't believe it's here. It doesn't even feel like it's like here, but yeah. CM Punk's doing this promo, and he's like trying to get people hyped for the show. You know, he's like, tune in, watch my return, blah, blah, blah. And then there's the other side of this, where I'm sure that the tickets aren't even sold out yet at the United Center. So they're trying to get any hype that they can. Like, I, I was at the Barber yesterday, and I saw like 15 commercials for AEW hyping up this Punk return. You know, it's, uh, what, Samoa Joe, right? Uh, Samoa Joe and uh, I can't remember who their his tag team is right now. It's just slipping my mind. I gotta find it. But FTR. No, CM Punk's team with FTR. Oh, God. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find this. Hold on. Yeah. I'll I'll just want to say my quick thoughts with this interview. Was I expecting anything absolutely groundbreak, like wrestling landscape changing? No. Were we expecting CM Punk to? explain every little detail and the intricacies of brawl out no he gave his perspective on what happened what he said his feel his it's a samoa joe and bullet club gold i'm sorry so it's samoa joe jay white and juice robinson versus cm punk and fdr okay all right we'll discuss that match in a minute and just generally collision but with the same punk interview i'm looking through it as is most people thinking is there a bombshell has he said something which you think oh he shouldn't say that is there a, a CM Punk quote that's going to go viral in the wrestling community? My takeaway from this, 
I mean, I read the, the whole ESPN article. It's a long article because they, they intertwine CM Punk quotes with write-ups of like AW, what happened the last year or two, AW, general news, the current affairs, who each person is, whatever, the world title picture. It's a, it's, it's a big article. It's a, it's a good read, I'll be honest. Uh, the part I found funny was that Tony Khan, Hangman Page, Kevin, they were reached out to, declined comment. The Elise, the Jacksons, Kenny Omega, their agent declined any comments. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, and then just the article itself, that Hangman Page thing, I read that snippet where that was, if Punk was describing the match from, I believe, Double or Nothing last year and how he, he felt, yeah, there was the cheap shot there and he kept the receipt. And someone, as me, who listened to The Art of Wrestling with CM Punk on Colt Cabana nine years ago, the main thing I thought about hearing that was, this sounds like the Ryback thing all over again. He kept receipts. It pissed him off. He was annoyed by the shot. He thought it was a cheap shot. Is he trying to hurt me? I'm going to hold this to him until he apologizes to my face. Like it was that sort of Phil Brooks energy. But yeah, generally, Kevin, I thought decent little interview promoting collision. Generally, that was the main sort of theme of the interview. It wasn't really supposed to like hash out the specifics of brawl out. It's fine. It wasn't as ground changing as people hyped up to be, uh, but it wasn't a bad interview by any means. Yeah, what I, what I thought was interesting is the fact that he said, "Oh, ev- everyone in AEW is trying to move on from the the brawl out scenario." Because he was asked directly about it, and that was his response: that you know, he, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and those guys are trying to move on. So in turn, I guess his definition of moving on is having a show created for him and his buddies, and the the elite and their and their buddies get to be on one show. That that's how everybody moves on, I suppose. So. Based on the tone of this interview, I don't think we're going to see Punk versus Omega or some sort of elite versus like CM Punk and FTR anytime soon. Um, it seems like maybe AEW will create like a second championship. They'll give that to Punk. Punk will hold that title for like a year and a half and they'll defend it against his friends, Samoa Joe, Chris Jericho, you know, whoever whoever he's not upset with. And that that's essentially what we're going to get. So yeah, I, I think I, I've said enough about this interview. If yep. you have anything else to say, please feel free to add it. I really don't care to talk any more about any yeah. CM Punk drama. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I just I, I love that line. Like whoever Punk's not upset with is listening. That's <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like I will just say one more thing on this. If you told us it's the middle of 2020, we're watching Braun Strowman and the pandemic with slime. Oh, man. Punk, the thought of Punk coming back and it's just not even a thing. Reigns hasn't even become the trial check. And what we're talking about three years later is CM Punk. He's been back for two years. There's been a big drama. He has his own show in AW created for him because he can't get along with the elite. Cody, who was one of the elite, is like the, the main face in WWE. Roman Reigns is told. Reigns has held the, the world title for a thousand plus days. It doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. And people have loved it on consensus. You, you think you're in a bizarro world. Literally. You, you, what the hell has happened? And I just, I, I think that for all listeners listening to this, I imagine most of you have been watching wrestling through the pandemic and most of you well before that. So it's pretty nuts, eh? How everything comes full circle like that and things happen the way they have. But Yeah, it's wild. It's really wild when you put it in perspective like that. Honestly, it's absolutely insane. But let's talk about Collision and CM Punk's return. So based on this interview, I don't think we're going to see anything exciting. I think Punk's going to maybe cut a promo at the beginning of the show and just be like, hey guys, 
Welcome. Welcome to Collision. Welcome to my show with my buddies in the back. Let's have a good night. And that's it. Like that, We'll probably get that kind of promo. You know, maybe we'll get like a, did you miss me, Chicago? Something like that. And then it's, I think Andrade is facing Buddy Matthews. Hold on, I got the card here in front of me. Uh, yeah. So we've got Luchasaurus versus Wardlow for the TNT Championship. That's nice. That's uh, a pleasant, makes sense that the TNT Championship being defended on TNT uh, since, you know, Dynamite moved to TBS. So that's yeah. a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue versus the Outcast. That match is going to be there. Um, okay. Andrade Alidolo versus Buddy Matthews. And yeah. yeah, that seems like that's it. Um, Bleacher Report just says there's big returns. Um, I bet, I'm sure, of course there is, pal. Aside from Punk. Aside from Punk. Oh, big returns. Yeah. Uh, so Miro. Uh, Miro's going to be in action. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, yeah. Miro's going to be in action for the first time since All Out 2022. Um, wow. Uh, he's doing... That was 10 months ago. Sorry, go on. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, that's 10 months ago. It's pretty nuts. And some of those names, those are all the names who were the, not the outcasts, but the wrestlers who are in WWE, we're being misused, we're going to go to AEW. And since then, many would argue, and I'd argue for a lot of them, they've been misused worse than AEW. Andrade Alidolo, Buddy Matthews, Miro. A bunch of them did much better stuff in WWE. Miro with Rusev Day. Andrade with the NXT title and even the US title stuff they were doing in 2019-2020. So it seems to be an interesting card. I'm sure that show, the debut of Collision, will be an entertaining watch, a good two-hour show. Uh, For me, it's just about the follow-up. And Kevin, I'm sure you would be similar. This show will probably be good. There'll probably be, you know, obviously Punk and then maybe one or two other returns where Tony Khan digs into the toy box and grabs out one of his old action figures he hasn't played with in a little while. I'm sure that's what will happen, but it's after that. It's yes. in two weeks. It's in four weeks. It's in two months. It's in four months. It's in the middle of October when not much is really going on that's that exciting, and you've got a two-hour show on a Sunday night, and the main event's going to be – I don't even know whoever Punk likes and whoever Punk likes versus whoever Punk likes and whoever Punk likes in a, like a mid-cardy – Tag matches in the main. Event. Punk, what to expect in this collision return, which is sort of the general discussion we're having here. I expect a few things. Being realistic here, I expect chaos, I expect drama, and I expect fireworks. That's really what I expect because Phil Brooks, he's 44, turning 45 in October. At this stage in his career, that's realistically what to expect. I'm sure there'll be a good match thrown in here, some entertaining tag action on collision, maybe a, a good pretty good match at the next pay-per-view all in all out full gear potentially hopefully he stays healthy fingers crossed no one's wishing injury on phil we're just hoping he stays healthy and he can actually compete week to week and show up uh but yeah hopefully something newsworthy and notable this isn't just him being in a brawl behind the scenes at a pay-per-view event hopefully that's what i'm hoping for i'm hoping on screen we get some stuff that makes you kevin me all the listeners have buzz, have excitement. Yes, can't wait for a late heat to talk about Phil, can't wait to talk about CM Punk, Collision. Fingers crossed that's the case. So, over to you, pal. Oh, pal. That's it. Could have said it better myself. So, yeah, apparently we'll get Kenta showing up, Scorpio Sky, uh, in a lesser note. But Kenta allegedly is going to be Punk's opponent for Forbidden Door. So that, that should be interesting. The Battle of the GTS. Um, so, I assume we'll see that, you know, maybe like. After the main event match, Kenta will come out and GTS CM Punk and be like, oh no, Ooh, 
ETS, the GTS King. Ooh, oh. And we'll see something like that. I recognize what's going to happen. But now that you say that, this forbidden door, that's. If that happens, Kevin is a genius. I Absolutely. reckon that's. Yeah. Absolutely, pal. Go. So, yeah, overall, my expectations for Collision for this first episode, like you said, I think it's going to be pretty good. You know, I think it'll be a solid 7 out of 10, solid two hours of television. Um, I, I think it's going to be kind of refreshing to see a show that's. I, I assume this show is going to be guarded more towards entertainment and less of the, the flippy floppy stuff that we see on Dynamite. That's my presumption. It, may, it, it makes sense. You know, that like if you're going to have another show, you got to kind of give it a, a little bit of a different identity. You know, we see that in WWE where SmackDown is like where all the big stars are, Raw is like where the workhorse wrestlers are. So it, it kind of makes sense to have that dynamic going at NAEW, but. Yeah, overall, should be a solid show. But now, I want to get to my, my big point about CM Punk. A, a little re- reflective now. We're going to be we're gonna start reflecting on CM Punk and 2011, Pipe Bomb and all that stuff. First off, I want to say this. CM Punk with the Pipe Bomb. CM Punk changed wrestling the way at, that we know it. 13 years or no, 12 years ago. And he cut that, that fateful promo, sitting on the stage, talking directly into the camera, Proclaiming that WWE be better off when Vince McMahon is dead. And, I mean, Vince McMahon ain't dead, but Triple H is in charge. And, and you know, not saying that Punk was right, but he might have had a bit of a, a point with that one. But CM Punk changed wrestling the way that Stephen Curry changed basketball. In a lot of ways. Stephen Curry is similar to Punk. Skinny, you know, orthodox, brought a different style, brought a three-pointer in, you know. Made a three-pointer cool. CM Punk, in a lot of ways, he made uh he made like promos cool in a in a different way. He made promos cool, he made a certain style cool. Um and when I say promos, I mean like the the reality-based promos. The I deserve better, the uh the office is holding me down, Vince is holding me down, the fans don't like me, I bust my ass, you know, the the same promos that we saw Ziggler and Miz and Cesaro and you name it. All these guys, Mustafa Ali, they go on the, the dot com, they do the Twitter promos. Punk just he he created that style basically. And I, I don't know, you, we could argue all day if he changed wrestling for better or worse. But he definitely changed the way wrestling is played. Or re- the way wrestling is portrayed. Nowadays, Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley and like a few other guys are like the quote unquote wrestlers. That was a wrestler back, like what a wrestler looked like in the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. But for the most part, now everybody kind of looks like Punk. You know, there's like Finn Balor's jacked, but he's tiny. So, yeah, CM Punk just changed everything. Now it's it's different. Wrestling is completely different. The people that are getting into it are different. Uh, people are like WWE's changed. They're bringing in athletes. They're bringing in college wrestlers. But for a while, they were bringing in indie guys like Punk. They're trying to create the next Punk. Basically. Yeah, what do you think about that, pal? 100% agree. It's the best comparison you can make. And I think it's just so true. Like, we're watching this show, which is what we're talking about, Money in the Bank 2011. And this whole storyline with Punk and once the clock strikes midnight, I'm out, I'm done, I'm leaving with the WWE title. That came off the heels of the pipe bomb, which had so much effect generally on wrestling. And which we'll discuss in 
yeah. as the show goes along. And really, yeah, I think the punk curry comparison is flawless because you go to watch basketball nowadays, for instance, you go along to a, you know, like a, an 18s, like you got a bunch of like 17 year olds running up and down, just shooting threes. And you got college games where, granted, college is a bit different because they, they all sort of run the same playbooks they have for decades. But any, any sort of modern iteration of basketball with the past 10 years considered, it's completely changed. It's three-point shooting. It's run, It's fast break and just take a three on the fast break, which in the wrestling comparison here, it's CM Punk. It's where possible, yes, there's the kayfabe thing. Yes, we tell stories. That That's just what wrestling is. But what CM Punk did in 2011 especially, which accelerated him, was he said what people were thinking in a lot of cases with Cena. He, he bluntly, as blunt as anyone had up until that point, did the anti-John Cena promo. The, you're not a great wrestler, I am. I'm better at this, 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 and this than you are. And the best part of this whole storyline with Punk and Cena to me, I loved how they brought up the baseball analogies. I love seeing Punk being like, you're, you've become the dynasty. You've become what you hate. I, I think that was awesome. And it was so true. And I'm watching this match with Punk and Cena, and we make the Curry comparison there. Anyone who follows basketball will understand this. It, to me, it was like watching Curry versus LeBron. Cena is LeBron. He's a polarizing athlete. Some people actually love him, think he's the GOAT. Other people can't stand him, think he killed wrestling, drove away all the actual real wrestling fans and will never like him. Same as LeBron. Most people think as LeBron's lost in the finals X amount of times, he can never be the GOAT. Other people, no matter what he does, he's the GOAT. So watching Punk and Cena here, it felt a lot like that. It felt like Curry, who just changed the sport forever, and then you know, LeBron, who was there. It, it felt a lot like that. So, yeah, I think that analogy is really good. I'd be interested to know what you, the listener, thinks about that. I think the comparison is just damn near flawless, very accurate with regards to how much they change the industry and how much they change their specific field. Yeah, and it's, it's one thing, too, thinking with Punk is that his career leaves a lot to be desired. Like, I, I was explaining this to a non-wrestling fan. I, I was watching the pay-per-view in preparation for this podcast with a friend who doesn't really like wrestling and I was just like CM Punk is basically living off this like one storyline like he was hot for one month he had he cuts like six seven good promos that's it like the dude is on movies now he's doing ESPN interviews he's captaining AEW and I know he had that like he's done other things in WWE at the, the feud with The Rock and stuff nothing was ever as hot or ever as good as what he did with the month time frame and I, I don't say that as a slight it's, I mean, there's not a lot of people in the history of wrestling that have accomplished what Punk did in that one month. He had a more impactful month than thousands upon thousands of wrestlers have had entire careers. So, But it was just like, I was just explaining it that way, which is like really what it is. A lot of people, they look at Punk, they're like, like with revisionist history, like, oh, he was the best heel in 09, 010. Like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Were you watching at that time? Probably not. I, I was watching at that time. Like, Punk was just a guy that was there... He shaved a girl's head. I forgot who it was. So uh, Serena? Serena, yeah. yeah. The straight edge society thing. Like, it was cool. You know, he had people booing him. But I, would, I wouldn't say Punk was, like, changing the world or anything. So, yeah. He literally becomes a star on the heel of one promo. And he's... Now he's, like I said, doing everything. UFC. It's, uh, it was a show on stars. Whatever it was. Yeah. So, CM Punk... It lasted, he made a lasting impact and one that will always be felt forever. People will always have an opinion on CM Punk. We're going to be talking about him for years and years and years. 
whether it's a positive opinion, negative opinion, everybody's going to have something to say about CM Punk. Well, Kevin, and further to that, which we can expand on that through this question, Money in the Bank 2011, we'll discuss the, the kind of legacy of that match shortly, but I'll ask you and just get your opinion here. What made Money in the Bank 2011 with Punk and Cena so great? Like, why why was it so good? Because we, we all know it was the great, yeah, five-star match, legendary match, yes, we know. But but why was that? Does it tell, tell us, I have my opinion, but talk to us. Well, that, that ma- the match itself was a perfect storm. So it was in Chicago. What better place to have that, that show? And if this show is in, like, I don't know. You put it in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Who knows if it's, if, if it's as special as it was. Uh, so you got CM Punk, who's literally coming out as the 100% surefire babyface. Even though he's been acting like a heel on WWE TV for a month. Cutting the pipe bomb, getting in the face. Telling Vince D's going to do what Brett wanted to do and leave with the title. And stuff like that. And you got Cena out there on, on the build-up. You got Vince out there. Like It's very just a hotly contested feud. And anything that Vince is involved in is going to be great. It's going to be top tier. But you know, Vince was there. John Laurinaitis. I got flashbacks watching John Laurinaitis segments. I was like, bro, get this out of my brain. Um, but nevertheless, I digress. So the perfect storm of it being in Chicago. CM Punk being the absolute hometown crowd favorite. John Cena just like... Just, to me, that's a big I'm him moment for John Cena. If you go back and watch his entrance, just look at how laser-focused he is. Like He knows that... Like, he's basically, like, Derek Jeter in Boston, essentially. Like, that's really what's going on here. It's like, he's the most hated man in the in the town, in the arena. And he's like, he just walks through it, gets in the ring, gets down to business. It just, it's a big fight feel. It's one of those matches that, it's on the level of, like, a big-time boxing fight. Big-time UFC fight. And we don't see that a lot in WWE. Roman and Cody had that to an extent. Roman and Sami Zayn had it, had a lot of the same elements. But with Punk and Cena, it was just different. One, because people were so, so behind CM Punk. Everybody wanted to see CM Punk win. And, like, the match was good. The bell-to-bell match was good, but it, to me, it's really not even about the match. I admit the build-up. But the match was great. It was, like, what, 35 minutes, 40 minutes of good bell-to-bell action. And arguably, Cena's best in-ring performance. Arguably, Punk's best in-ring performance. They went back and forth, they countered each other's moves, they chain wrestled, they did big spots, they did everything you could imagine. The crowd was invested in every one and two. They were invested every just every which way. So yeah, perfect storm of what wrestling is supposed to be at its peak. Yeah, good answer. I think for me, watching this, it was timing, it was situation, it was star power. You look at timing. Punk's contract expires. It happens to be, yeah, money in the bank time. That's in Chicago. That's in his hometown. The pipe bomb just accelerates all of this. That puts this storyline, the hyperdrive, an overdrive. That The segment with Vince, that contract signing segment on the, the Raw prior, I love it. I think it's hilarious. Phil Brooks strutting around in a, a new Nexus shirt with the contract, being like, you know, Vince, you're on the private jet on ice cream cones with my face on it. I want... Posters, movies, CM Punk, the movie. I'm like, this is great stuff. And the, the funny part about this, watching this back now, 12 years later, knowing what we know with, which, with what happened since, that's probably realistically how the negotiation between Brock Lesnar and Vince McMahon was backstage. 
I want Brock Lesnar in the movie. I want this, this, this. And Vince is like, yeah, pal, you can have it, pal. But nonetheless, really good build. Uh, the whole thing of Punk being suspended, then reinstated, and Punk saying that uh, one, one line that really hit me. I didn't get the exact quote, but you'll know what I'm talking about. Where Punk says, basically, I don't need all that. I just need to have this with being the microphone. And like, this is power. And I think that was pretty, pretty big. Just him saying that, oh, all I want is this microphone because this is a voice. This is me being able to speak my truth to the world. This is me being able to connect to the audience. I don't need the, the flashy material stuff. I just need to be able to speak, which I thought the whole premise of that was really good. Um, really just, it was a powerful, powerful premise, Kevin. But nonetheless, you got the money in the bank. You touched on it perfectly there. All the circumstances, how hot the crowd was. I love with this, you've got Colt Cabana at ringside. Oh, yeah. it's, just kind of, it's weird watching now because like, I love when, yeah, Cabana's sitting there with all the punks, you know, the people he grew up with and the the friend, like best mate, friends and all the people you see in Punk's documentary and all this stuff from like a decade ago. They're at ringside. They're clapping for Punk. Yeah, they're dapping him up when he comes out. I love, I forget which commentator it was. The one one of them goes, oh, basically, oh, Punk is getting, I think it's Booker T, getting support from his buddies in the front row. I'm like, oh, yeah, Cabana's one of the buddies, pal. He's one of the buddies, you know, his mother, and then they share a bank account, pal. <laughs> like, it was, it's weird to watch with the beauty of hindsight. But no, I just, there's so much fun stuff in this match. There's so much stuff which I was watching, and it's just, this, this is, to me, the best match of the modern era from the PG era. I don't count Taker and Sean. We'll get to this later. I don't count Taker and Sean as properly like a like a PG era match. I like this match, it's Punk and Cena. These are two of the biggest guys of this last 15 years and arguably the, the two top guys. So excellent match, just really good all around. I will say, can, I, can we touch on the ending real quick? Can we just talk about this for a moment, Kevin? Absolutely. Let's do it. I... Obviously, they had their good 30-plus-minute match. They get the, the point where they're 30-plus minutes in. Cena's, yeah, he's gone for the big top rope AA. It's been counted, yada, yada, kick out, kick out. Crowd's going nuts the whole time. Awesome. Commentary goes, we're 30, we've gone 30, over 30 minutes in this match. We're over 30 minutes into this match. And it's like, cool. And then Vince McMahon and John Laryngitis come out there. And... Vince McMahon's acting in this match. This is some of the all-time great Vince McMahon acting. Vince, he, right away, he, he looks he looks so like he's he's devastated. He's he's feared. He's sick. He's just he's like about to cry. He's like he's like shaking. They do a good camera shot where you see like Vince's back and he's because he's been on steroids for X amount of years. He's so broad. His back is so big that like it's insane. And then Laronitis is like half his size. And then they do the spot where they try to do the Montreal screwjob, Kevin, which I'll get your thoughts on this in a moment. Vince is like, damn it, John. Come, ring a bell. Ring a bell, yeah. Ring it, ring it. And Laronitis does the weirdest run you'll ever see. Cena dives out. It's like this awkward collision. It's not even like a punch. Cena, like, rushes the outside and goes, ah! And, like, whacks him. And Laronitis, like, he flops like he's Pat Bev. He flops to the ground. And then Cena's like, not like that, Jack. I ain't, lose, I ain't winning this match. I'm losing like that, Jack. And then you got, you know, the whole crowd's like, yeah, Cena, woo. And then he, he looks at Vince. He's like, ain't no way in hell, Jack. I ain't winning it like that. And Vince is like sobbing. Vince is almost in tears. He's like, <laughs> and Vince is like so upset. And he gets this back in the ring. GTS, one, two, three. The camera, as soon as Punk wins, cuts to Vince McMahon. And you see Vincent Kennedy McMahon. His eyes are closed and they zoom in for like five seconds. On Vince's closed eyes, I'm like, this is 
this is glorious content. And then the best part to me, the part I love, Kevin, which get all your thoughts on this in a second. The part I love, obviously they do the camera shots of Punk in the title. He's like, oh my God, oh, oh, I've won it, guys. Awesome. They do that. Vince McMahon, they, they just cut to Vince. Vince is like power strutting. He goes to ringside. He rips Lawler's headset off. He's like, oh, damn it. Give me that power, yeah. Oh, I'm all right. He's like, he's like in an angry hush tone. He's like, I'm all right. I'm all right. Get him. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Cut his music. Cut him. Cut him. Cut his music. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. And then he throws the headset to the ground. You can hear chords like hitting on the ground. Vince is like, he's just angrily standing there. Alberto Del Rio, a convicted criminal, runs out there. And then Phil Brooks goes, nah! And just like kicks him in the head and then just runs away. And Vince, the best part of it to me, Punk, he's like sitting on the barricade. The infamous crowd shot will probably be our thumbnail. He's sitting there with the title. He's, you know, blows a kiss to Vince. Vince, he looks like a like depressed, distraught lover who's been dumped. And he's like, no. And then and Phil Brooks rushes through the audience, all these fans backstopping him, cheering, yeah, CM Punk. And Vince is just like, which I must say, Kevin, I think that's the best, like, one of the best endings to a pay-per-view because you think, you watch that live and you go, oh, my God, like, the future, the, the WWE title is gone. Vince McMahon's crying. Cena's lost. Del Rio's been kicked in the head and knocked out. What the hell's going on? So that was my thoughts, Kevin. That wow. was my ruthless rundown. Talk to us. Opinions. Wow. I can't even, I can't follow that. So I'm going to let that sit for a moment. But we're going to circle back to the match itself. I want to talk about the whole show for just a minute. This yep. Money in the Bank 2011 pay-per-view. Now, let me ask you this. I'm going to get your most ruthless, vicious, transparent, absolutely most brutally honest thoughts on yep. Money in the Bank 2011. Where does that pay-per-view rank all time? Amongst up there with the greats, like WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 19, SummerSlam 02. Backlash 2000, mm -hmm. SummerSlam, whatever, SummerSlam 94, whichever all-time great you want to throw in there. Where, where does it rank? So I figured to answer this question, I'll just give you my top five pay-per-views of all time. I think that's probably the best way I can answer this. Um, for me, in, I, mean, I would say no specific order. The first two, there's an order. Uh, number one being WrestleMania 17. To me, it's like the GOAT show. Uh, then I've got WrestleMania 19. It's a WrestleMania. We've, we've debated this for like hours. It's an all-time great show. And then from there, Kevin, from between three and five, I can have Money in the Bank 2011 sit anywhere between there. That's where I rank this show all time. I, I think it is the top five pay-per-view, especially in the past 15, 20 years. This is the best show, best pay-per-view we've seen with the significance and everything we, we can discuss in a moment. My other two favorite shows that aren't Mania 17, Mania 19, or Money in the Bank 2011 they're both from 2002. Uh, so SummerSlam 2002 and Survivor Series 2002. Now, I just have such fond memories of that Survivor Series 02 show. I've watched that show so many times on DVD. I love the theme song. I love the Elimination Chamber. That felt epic. That felt awesome. MSG, Jim Ross commentating most of it. The, the stars, that, that was a great triple threat tag match with the SmackDown 6. You know, Brock Lesnar and Big Show was I mean, not the greatest match, but I like the storyline. It was fine. Just generally the presentation of that event. So... That's my top five, Kevin. Just to recap, Mania 17, Mania 19, and then any combination of Money in the Bank 2011, SummerSlam 02, and Survivor Series 02. So that's how I'd answer it. What about you, pal? Hit us with your ruthless, I won't steal your bit. What are your thoughts, pal? What are your top five pay-per-views? 
I don't know. I gotta think about that. Uh, WrestleMania 17 and 19 are up there. Uh, SummerSlam 02. Um, man, that's where it gets kind of foggy for me. After No Way Out 04? Maybe, yeah. Probably No Way Yeah, I mean, we're talking favorites, yeah. No Way Out 04 is up there for sure. Um, another favorite of mine is probably Rus- uh, not WrestleMania. Or Rumble, what was it? Or Rumble 07? That take or Sean, yeah. Royal Rumble 2007 or Royal Rumble 05. Uh, Money in the Bank 2011 and my personal favorite is somewhere maybe like top 15. You know, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like aside from Punk and Cena, not too crazy about this show. Right. Um, in terms of my personal taste. But I mean, if we're talking like objectively where I would put this show, it's probably like a top 12 pay-per-view of all time. I've just had an epiphany. <clears throat> Throwing my list out. Money in the Bank 2011 moves down one. WrestleMania 28 goes in. I don't know why. I forgot that show altogether. Mania 28 in. Money in the Bank 2011 down one. That's personal preference. That's not objective, but there you go. Come yeah, on. I mean, if we're talking like where like where this show sits in, in like on the, the, the pantheon of just all-time great pay-per-views, it's, it's in there in, in the top 12. Some, there's just so many great ones. We're not even talking about ECW pay-per-views, WCW pay-per-views. AEW pay-per-view. It's up there. Top 12, top 15. Um, and its impact on the wrestling business, too. I mean, it's, it had a, a bigger impact than just about any pay-per-view. You could argue it's the most impactful pay-per-view in the history mm-hmm. of pro wrestling. That This show changed everything. This show changed just the way that, that Cena's character was booked until his retirement or whatever, if he ever comes back, until up until his match with Austin Theory. Austin Theory, 12 years later, was literally cutting the same promos, just in a different light that Punk was cutting. Yep. Like, I'm, I'm Austin Theory. I'm A-Town down. I'm better than you in the ring. I'm more good-looking than you. You know, just same stuff that, that Punk was saying. And that, that's, I mean, that's influential. You know, this show, I think, or maybe, yeah, this show, the Punk Cena storyline is up there with, like, the Montreal Screwjob, the Hogan-Andre body slam, the NWO being formed some all-time great and pivotal moments in wrestling is you'd be hard-pressed to find a pay-per-view that has that's more impactful you could argue wrestlemania 17 because that was the end of the attitude era that was the peak of the attitude era that was the climax that the curtain call uh, of the greatest era in the history of pro wrestling uh you know wrestlemania 19 that was hogan and austin's final uh final hogan's final wrestlemania match austin's final match period that's impactful and this this show is right up there. I mean, it's absolutely just one of the best shows. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it in full for a moment. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they kick off the show with the uh, the world heavyweight championship money in the bank ladder match, and that saw Daniel Bryan win that match. It was Cody Rhodes. Here's a, a long list of performers in this match. Yeah, Daniel Bryan. AEW EVP, AEW founder, Cody Runnels, who is now the top babyface at WWE, was here in this match. And there was Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, Kane, Sin Cara, Sheamus, and Wade Barrett. So an interesting crop of talent. Now you've mm-hmm. got, what, three Hall of Fame, four Hall of Famers. I assume Sheamus will get yeah, in. Yeah, I'd say four. I'd say four. Yeah. Yeah, Sheamus will get in. Really, the the... The, the sore thumb in this match is Cody. Like th- This is Cody pre-steroids, you know, pre-getting jacked, pre-indies, 
this is Cody just like mid card for life Cody he's wearing the stupid plastic mask on he's looking like Rip yeah. Hamilton yeah <laughs> he just he looks ridiculous like that I, I'm watching this and I'm just like I can't believe this guy is the the top guy in WWE I mean it's a true testament that if you stay true and you believe in yourself and stay true to your dreams anything is possible so, yeah this guy I mean this Cody is the man um this was the infancy of the yes movement in all honesty with Daniel Bryan so like it's significant for that and I thought the match was good honestly for a money in the bank ladder match it was really good no, I always like this match. I think to kick off the show, it was really well done. Uh, I love, I mean, Justin Gabriel, a guy like that needs to be in this match. Now, I would say Sin Cara as well, but he's a known botch master, so I'm not going to lump him in there. Gabriel was really good. Um, that thing, the 450, like when he's really angled up on the ropes and does that, 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 that splash, that sort of move, stuff like that's awesome. Um, and as far as the star power, I love that you touched on that with Cody. That was a total drive-by from you. That was not necessary. but. That being said, <laughs> this match, so you got Daniel Bryan when he, this was quite literally, his presentation was just like maroon, like ready colored trunks. Just, there was like no hair on him just about. He looked like an enhancement talent. And that's quite literally, he, there was like nothing to him. So there was that version of Daniel Bryan. And as we know, Bryan's gone on to become a yeah, WrestleMania main eventer, one of the biggest stars of the era, this all time great. But you're watching him here and it's like, oh, it's, it's Daniel Bryan, you know, he's hardly got a beard. He's about, he's probably an inch shorter than me, maybe two inches shorter than me. He's like probably five, seven, five, eight ish. He's got his, yeah, it's, it was weird watching it because as we know, same thing with Cody, what he's gone on to become, you think, oh, wow. But you look back on this match from 12 years ago and you go, wow, that's, that, that's him. Right. So insane. So yeah, Brian, Brian's up winning the match. Yeah, you know, good match, solid stuff. Cody, I'm not going to even elaborate. You, you've done enough about Cody here. And then a guy like Sheamus, for instance, by this stage, he'd already been a, what, one, two-time WWE champion because he, he beat Cena at TLC 09 and he beat Randy Orton in 2010 sometime. He's been a you know, WWE champion. He's already reached the mountain. Now Sheamus is just sort of in this match. He kind of lost his place in the card. He was just sort of lost in the shuffle on SmackDown by this stage. And you got Kane who's one of the greatest of all time. He's top, I don't know where you rank him all time, definitely top 30. Wherever you rank him from there, who knows? But a legend, Glenn Jacobs, who at this stage, he's just this shirtless man who's seven foot tall. And so he's bald. And I, I, can, I never liked this, like, this version, like the 2010, 2011 bald shirtless Kane. I never liked it. I always think Kane needs to have like the mask, the, the hair flowing, the... Everything's covered. That that's Kane to me. And you know, pal, when I look at that, I get PTSD to the twenty fourteen authority storyline where Ben Jacobs is out there teaming with Big Show, teaming with Rollins and J and J, with Randy Orton, with Stephanie, with Triple H, cutting twenty five minute promos on raw shows, which are some of the worst of all time. That's what I associate this version of Kane, Glenn Jacobs with. But nonetheless. Fun match, 25-minute match, some good spots. Justin Gabriel, to me, was the highlight of this match. But all guys had a decent little bit of a showing. Brian wins. Did it accelerate his career? I'd say so. It led to the 18 seconds thing at WrestleMania, which then led to the Yes movement, which led to him becoming one of the greats of the era. So, yeah. Any other thoughts, Kevin? All right. Let's go to the next match, pal. 
How about we not? How about we don't? <laughs> uh, we got. We got to man. Come on, it's Daniel Bryan's wife, Brie Bella. She lost in a triumphant match versus Kelly Kelly. This was five minutes. Um, the only thing I, I'll just say this, and we'll move on. This yeah. was uh, very empowering for women. Uh, you know, era of wrestling. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, and this match set this match set women back a decade. Yeah, Kelly Kelly being champion was. Um, yeah, just Kevin, I want to harp on this match for just a minute, okay? Because I watched this back before we recorded, just because I want I want to have like blunt. I just watched this opinions on this match. People talk about the women's evolution revolution now in 2023 we've been conditioned for the last eight years now for nine years we think in 2014 most of these women started to come through nxt with the four horsewomen last eight nine years kevin we've seen sasha charlotte bailey becky now eo belair ripley there's a laundry list of names and you can go down like candace larae's and all these other women dakota kai's etc and there's just all these great wrestler great workers who've grown up wanting to be you know, the best wrestler they could be. And then you sort of watch this, and it's this weird sort of in-between where it's like a five-minute match. They're both screaming like every three seconds to try and make noise, make a commotion. They'll hit each other with anything. They'll be screaming, hairs flying everywhere. They're throwing themselves to the mat. It looks it looks like the sort of thing, like, Kevin, if we step into a practice facility today and just started wrestling, it, it would look like that. It looked kind of sloppy all over the place, uncoordinated. And just, it was hard to look at. And as someone in myself who hardly, I, I don't go back to watch Divas matches from 2010 or 2011, Kevin. So going to watch this, it felt like a bizarre, a different world. It felt like a different lifetime. Because as I said, we've been conditioned to just, I mean, the, the women wrestle as competently as most of the men now. It's pretty much all the same. They're just, they're just women. But this match, Kevin, outside of Jerry Lawler, who uh, by this stage, I fact-checked, he was 60 at this point. I don't know how old these women were. Like the, the Bellas were what, late twenties, maybe thirty, and then twenty-five or something. Twenty-five, yeah. And then he's he, he's literally they're coming out more curves than a racetrack. It's like okay, thanks, Jerry, thanks, Jerry. <laughs> um, so there was that. Michael Cole was dull during this match. Booker T did his oh man, shooky dooky, like he did his usual Booker antics. But on the whole, Kevin, yeah, it was just it was five minutes. I'll never get back, and um, we can move on. There you go. Then we have Mark Henry versus The Big Show. Speaking of six minutes, we'll never get back. Uh, wow. I mean, there's some, there's just two just fat duds in the middle of this card. I don't even want to say anything about Mark Henry and The Big Show. Unless you want to. I, I gladly move on to the next match. Uh, Mark Henry, he shouldn't wear blue. That was my only takeaway. He, look, he looked like a blue, like, he looked like a massive, like, black smurf. It was weird because he's obviously this huge, like, world's strongest man, decorated power athlete, and he's just wearing bright blue. And they do the whole spot with Big Show's ankle, and it's like, oh, my God, Paul White, he's crying. Ah. Okay. Um, Once again, Kevin, same thing with, like, the, the, the Divas match just before it. If it wasn't for the crowd being so energetic throughout them, this would have been some of the all-time bad content. Kevin, if, if this match and the, the Kelly Kelly Brie Bella match happened at Corpus Christi or in Rhode Island or happened at Stomping Grounds 2019. If it was something like that, we'd bury this to shreds completely. But the crowd made it watchable and the commentary wasn't even that that bad. So, yeah. And this was pre-JBL too, on commentary. Yeah. All right. So then we had the raw money in the bank. Out of match. Yep. So, wow. What a yep. cast and crew we had in this one. I know, right? So it was Del Rio who won. 
of Alex Riley, Evan Bourne. Ready? I mean, it just keeps coming, bro. Jack Swagger. Swagger. It's Swagger. Maybe I'm John. Kofi Kingston, uh, who's, you know, at this point, this is like just the Jamaican accent cringe Kofi Kingston. The Miz. This is the Miz at, like, what, four months removed from being WWE champion? Like, he's yeah. here for whatever reason. Um, then there's R-Truth. He came out with no music. He's just like, heal R-Truth. Then we have an absolute bona fide legend. Rey Mysterio, a top 25 performer of all time, just <laughs> forced against his will to be here. Vincent Kennedy McMahon made him compete in this match to give this match some kind of credibility, some kind of star power, some form of like legitimate, credible talent. So shout out to Rey Mysterio. I'm sure he probably had to take a bottle of pills or something to, 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 to hide his pain from this match. I don't mean, I'm sorry, kids, don't do drugs. But either way, Rey Mysterio went through a lot. All right, Rey Mysterio went through a lot in this match. I mean, bro, if you had to share a ring with Alex Riley, Evan Bourne, and Jack Swagger, I, I, I mean, that's enough to turn a, a sane person crazy. God bless him. Like, I, I saw Alex Riley's entrance. I wanted to throw up. I was like, what is this, bro? Like, why is this guy here? God. All right, let me stop before I keep rambling and say something else that, that is, uh, <laughs> that's more egregious Don't than what I said trouble. already. Don't get us in trouble, pal. Don't get us in trouble. Please but take, take the wheel. This was like all the PTSD of the early 2010s. This was the bad of the early 2010s. Because, Kevin, the main event, as we will continue to discuss, Cena, Punk, that was the great of the 2010s, the storyline, everything that encompassed it, how it changed wrestling, Vince, all of it. That was the great. The opening Money in the Bank ladder match was a lot of kind of the future, as we discussed with Brian, Cody, especially those two. There was a lot of that. It felt like Just the... Us two. Yeah, I know. It felt like how they presented that was like the who's up next match. Like Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater in this match, pal. You didn't know at the time that they turned out to be duds, but it was like, you know, got the future. This match was quite literally the present. Kevin, The Miz, as you beautifully described, just main evented Wrestle Effing Mania, Mania 27. Jack Swagger was the world heavyweight champion for months the year prior. Rey Mysterio, as you discussed, is a Hall of Fame legend of professional wrestling. And then guys like R-Truth were being presented. R-Truth main evented Capital Punishment like a month before this. He was in the main event against John Cena. Del Rio won the Royal Rumble and faced Edge at WrestleMania for the world title. Evan Bourne, by this stage, he's famous for taking an RKO at this point. Alex Riley's been running around, literally, I'm not going to say what I wanted to say, but Alex Riley's been running around with The Miz for ages, clapping, supporting The Miz. And then, obviously, yeah, Kofi's been running around acting Jamaican. So, support, I was going to say something disgusting there, but... Yeah, no. So we don't want to go there. We're, we're a family show, pal. But yes, yes, yeah, you look at this match, and I'm watching it going. I, I have a similar thought process to you. Like Ray Mysterio is here. He's great. He's a G. But I'm watching it, and you're seeing Del Rio. He's slamming a ladder into like Kofi and Truth, and then Alex Riley comes in. He's he's punching like Evan Bourne. I'm just watching this. Like this is like all the failed experiments of the early 2010s, minus Ray. It's just a bunch of guys who. No, Kevin, did any of these guys truly ever click with the audience? Now, Kofi, Kofi did it in 2019 with Kofi Mania. He eventually got there eight years after this. 
But I mean, we, so we can't we are, discredit the New Day. Kofi, Kofi ended up having a legendary career with the New Day. Okay, Kofi and Ray aside, it's literally a collection of men. Del Rio was an absolute diabolical disaster on screen and off screen, as everyone knows about. Alex Riley, complete sham on screen, off screen. Cena wanted to know nothing to do with him and got him fired. Evan Bourne, eh, whatever. Jack Swagger. Disaster on screen, off screen. He's just a UF. He's like an MMA guy, whatever. Kofi, success, good, good on him. Miz, Kevin, Miz. This guy runs around for fifteen years doing Miz TV, and he still has a job. Anyway, that's Miz, and then Truth, who's just been sort of like a. He'll run out. Like Kevin, our Truth, that guy who they could just give him anything for like twenty years. He can make running out like in twenty seventeen when they were trying to do Pokemon Go segments, and he'd be, Where, where's the Pokemon? And it's like, come on. What are you doing with this guy? Anyway, so Kevin, that's this Money in the Bank field. So it's a 15-minute Money in the Bank match. There wasn't really any spots, which I thought, oh, my God. I mean, Evan Bourne, maybe they did some cool stuff with him. I guess he was, like, the only highlight from the – I mean, Ray was good as well. But really, the match itself, I'm watching Del Rio and this, this cast. I'm like, oh, my God, just get to the next match already. End this pain. End this suffering. Thank God the crowd once again made this more enjoyable than it actually was. If this match happened in Rhode Island, Corpus Christi, or Minneapolis, I'm falling asleep. But yeah, there you go. Back to Del Rio one. This is disgusting, disturbing. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, all right. So then we had Christian, Randy Orton. Uh, this was probably the least impressive of all their matches. And uh, they had the SummerSlam match. They had, I think, an Extreme Rules match. But this was in the middle of that Christian-Randy Orton feud that everybody loves, and it was great. Yeah. So this was another quality, top-tier match on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Christian won, and then I think he lost the... No, did he, no he didn't keep the belt. He got disqualified. Or, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of hot potatoing, a lot of flip-flopping. That's the sort of main thing, Kevin. On, on your honest thoughts, I, I did a whole thing on Vince McMahon's acting before. Randy Orton's acting. Oh, <laughs> Mad, mad Randy Orton. Now, I know he, in the like Heels documentary series, I think A&E did it. Randy Orton was like one of the main focuses. He was really explaining his like his phase where he gets into a dark place and he, he turns to the camera and he's, his face is blood red and he's really menacing. We saw a lot of that in this match. Randy Orton was, because he couldn't get disqualified, that was the whole stipulation. If there was disqualification or poor officiating, Orton would lose the title. So you got a lot of Randy Orton. Christian would do like foul play. Orton, they'd cut the camera like right to his face and he'd be making like the real angry guy faces. So Kevin, what are your ruthless thoughts on Randall Keith Orton's acting? Come on. Come on. Come on, everybody. Get up. I think I think Randy Orton at, at his peak, Randy Orton is one of the best, just with facials mm. and like Yeah. And and just knowing the hard camera. I, in yeah. all honesty, I think he's great at it. You know? Yeah. Uh, he's he's not on the level of Vincent K. McMahon, yeah. but he's up there in that in that tier. You know, Randy Orton can really when he's focused that he cares and he likes his perform his uh, opponent and he's feeling it. Randy Orton's yeah. one of the best ever, one of the best in the game. Yeah, can absolutely. He's just he he does everything. He does all the little things so well, man. Yeah. Taunts, moves. He's perfect at it. Uh, this was a good match. Oh, yeah, I do joke about the Orton's acting. That being said, I did like it. I thought it was funny. Like, it made the match entertaining, interesting, how Orton... It, it, this was all the other external stuff. It, this match, as you say, it wasn't 
their best match. It was about yeah, 10, 12 minutes. And the main storyline was would Auden get disqualified? So it was a lot of Auden, a lot of storytelling with him, being all irate, being mad, bottling it, bottling it, and they do the, the big finish. And Christian's helped out, like holding his nuts, and he's just like got the world title, like referees, and he's he's limping away to the finish line, and you're thinking, okay, cool, Christian's got the world title. Let's get to the main event, pal. There you go. All right. So now, I was gonna let me uh, answer your question from earlier. Mm-hmm. You had asked me what I thought about the ending. Uh, yeah, didn't just, I mean, general thought, I mean, we discussed the match, but yeah, thoughts on the ending, particularly. Cena, uh, you know, Cena let Vince down. Uh, that very rarely ever happened. Vince was irate. He had the iconic shot of just Punk holding the belt, running off into the crowd with the kiss, pal. Uh, believe, unbelievable. You all right? What's going on, pal? I'm wondering Vince just... Like, Vince is just destroyed. He's crying. I, I, found, I found it hilarious. Like, and the thing is, because we're, we're, like, smart asses on this podcast, we're, we're, we're like, you know, what we saw with Vince here, him crying, he's, oh, Phil, Phil, where he's like that. Think about all the times behind the scenes with Vincent Kennedy McMahon where there's high-stakes contract negotiations, there's legal drama, backstage scandal, this is probably the same facial expressions and acting from Vince McMahon. Kevin, picture in 2004, Brock Lesnar storms into Vince's office and goes, I'm done. I'm leaving. And Vince probably had the same thing when Brock stormed out. He's like, like that. It's the same sort of thing. And I don't know. Like when Vince McMahon, when Mark Calloway, the Undertaker, was 56 and told Vince, enough is enough. I'm not wrestling again. Vince McMahon, even though Undertaker's already had a few years then of like botch-filled matches, which shouldn't have happened, Vince was probably like, <laughs> no. you, you think he had that face when, uh, when he was with the paralegal? So, Kevin, as far as the ending goes, um, <laughs> you're, you're giving your thoughts. Carry on. Carry on. Yes. So, absolute just iconic moment. I want to talk about this, though. Honestly, we all, we know, we all know how great the, the ending was. Let's talk about the follow-up. What we saw in the months immediately following this moment. This is one of the hottest angles in the history of professional wrestling. CM Punk has broken the internet. You know, the dirt sheets are going crazy. Everybody's going wild. YouTube's going nuts. The websites are crashing. Everybody wants to know, did CM Punk leave with the belt? And then what happens? CM Punk comes back shortly thereafter with a new theme song. And it's just another guy. It's just like, hey guys, I'm here. Yep, I'm to wrestle Del Rio. Yeah. All right, cool. Here we go. Man, they really had something here. They had something with Punk. Instead, Punk takes like what six weeks off or whatever it was, two months off. Get Del Rio as champion for God knows why. Del Rio's just <laughs> just like the the interim champion basically. Punk comes back. He's like, I'm champion. Del Rio's like, No, I'm champion. No, I'm champion. Uh, oh, oh, what could have been, pal? It could have been. So, I, I'll say this, kind of put a, a bow on this. CM Punk at this storyline. Yeah. It just, he never hit this level again. You know? Like I said, he had that one promo against The Rock that was pretty good. But a- after this storyline, he was just another guy on the roster, just doing whatever WWE does. He wasn't unique, yeah. wasn't like outside of the box. People just became in love with the idea of what CM Punk could be. 
versus what he was on a week to week basis following this um this, uh, this storyline in this match. Yeah, Kevin, the, the follow up was a masterclass of how not to book someone who's over, someone who's hot. You mentioned Del Rio. Kevin, this was when I was getting into watching as well. This is like the, the first thing I'm exposed to watching wrestling. Is this? I turn on WWE Experience. It's a Sunday evening over here in Australia. CM Punk's cutting a promo. He's got his phone out. He's reading text messages. His sister sent him about Kevin Nash. So that's the sort of time period I'm tuning in. This is like six weeks, eight weeks after this happened, this Money in the Bank show. And Kevin, I'll sum it up like this. We could, I could go on for hours about this. I'm not. But I'll say this. The summer of punk, what we discuss here, where CM Punk at the legendary Money in the Bank moment, the pipe bomb, this stuff with Vince, this epic storyline, you described it perfectly before as the perfect storm, which is what it was. We have that. And within not even eight days, Punk was back. And then from there, it was, let, let's go through this just one by one. From here, it becomes Alberto Del Rio ending SummerSlam holding the title. Okay. It, be, it becomes Triple H and Kevin Nash feuding. And Kevin Nash, who's like 55, having an issue with CM Punk or something. Uh, it becomes Triple H beating Punk clean at Night of Champions. It becomes Awesome Truth, The Miz and R-Truth as the main storyline, trying to overthrow Triple H's WWE. And there was a, a, Kevin, there was a locker room walkout on Raw, pal. CM Punk was putting on the commentary blazer as no one wanted to do Raw besides Sheamus, Cena, and Punk because no one trusted Triple H's leadership. You got Triple H in the ring crying. This is the summer of Punk. It's Alberto Del Rio versus Cena. And CM Punk's just losing to Triple H. And then by the time, as you perfectly put, by the time CM Punk is just basically a guy who did all this stuff six months ago, Punk gets wins the WWE title at Survivor Series 2011 and begins the 434 run. But by that point, it had already been diminished. All the hot, all the hate, all the momentum, the overness, that had gone from like a 10 10 plus to like a five or a six. Like Punk still got a good reaction when he won the title and it was, he was still sort of over when he had his run. It wasn't like he was getting reactions where fans were sitting on their hands, not saying anything. But Kevin, the way they stuffed this up, I still can't believe. I go, like go back and watch any of these things, like Del Rio, his title matches from this time, Del Rio promos. And I, I sit back now, Kevin, I did one of the, I watched one of these in preparation for our show here. I'm watching Alberto Del Rio in 2011 in September with the WWE Championship on his shoulder, knowing Sam Punk's the hottest guy in this company, Cena's in this company, and we're watching Alberto Del Rio cutting promos as the top champion. What are they doing? What? Who thought that was a good idea? Like, the only part of this that I sort of liked was the fact that they did a Cena and Punk rematch at SummerSlam. That made sense to me. I get it. Triple H was the referee, sure. Get Paul Levesque's big nose in there. I get it. But after that, Kevin, Del Rio, really? A convicted criminal? Are you kidding me? And then Awesome Truth, and we've reacted to the segment on, I think it was my YouTube, but we, or maybe it was a late hate, I don't know. But the infamous Hell in a Cell, where Triple H, he marches down, and he, he rips R-Truth out of the cell, and he's, he's bashing R-Truth's head in on the ground, a defenseless R-Truth's handcuffed, and Paul Levesque's bashing him in. 
and the Miz with his white T-shirt with his nips showing, and you got Mason Ryan and Teddy Long trying to rust like open up the Hell in a Cell by doing this. Kevin, they literally they've got the Hell in a Cell, Mason Ryan and Teddy Long, and all the, the locker room, Vladimir Kozlov, and they're doing this. They're trying to open up Hell in a Cell. The CM Punk, the guy who was over because of Money in the Bank, because of this, because of this promo, pipe bomb, Money in the Bank, Cena, Vince. CM Punk is laid out defenseless in Hell in a Cell as Alberto Del Rio retains and Triple H beats up a defenseless R-Truth at ringside in handcuffs. Kevin. Disgraceful. Wow. Well, so... um, Thank you for that, pal. That was phenomenal. I needed the, the memories oh. of Vladimir Kozlov gently shaking a, a cell. I, I needed a replay in my brain. Vladimir Kozlov. That, you might as well push him instead of Del Rio. That, Vladimir Kozlov at least isn't a criminal. So That we know of. Well, okay. No comment. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't unsee Del Rio's mugshots. And this is the guy WWE pushed to the moon in the summer of punk. Stop me, Kevin. Is there another question we have to go over? Just, no, I, I just want, I want to say this and we'll close with this. So this show, Money in the Bank 2011, created the argument that we had in our last podcast mm-hmm. of Money in the Bank being a big four pay-per-view. Yep. And it's literally because of this show. This show gave this pay-per-view that prestige. As yep. our boy Wrestling Gifts did, he watched every Money in the Bank show so we don't have to. And he, he pretty much was said how I feel. There's like three good pay-per-views, so 2021, 16, and 11. Yep. So this show, I think, Money in the Bank, the concept gets overhyped because of this one show. That's really what it comes down to. Um, yeah, one of the best pay-per-views of all time. A lasting legacy. This is the legacy of CM Punk. This and Brawl Out probably going to be the two things that Punk is most known for and his UFC um, endeavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I got to say, man. Well, I was going to say with Punk, you talk about his legacy. I guess we can close with this. This isn't like a CM Punk bio or anything or like an in-depth Punk career discussion, but... When I look at CM Punk, we you mentioned the Steph Curry analogy. We've discussed that. That's a perfect analogy. Change the way wrestling's done. Change the way a lot of wrestlers who come into the industry go about it. Change the way a lot of wrestlers try and get over. Influential, big time, no doubt about it. Uh, one thing with Punk, for me, which was his legacy, and in many people's eyes still is, is that he never main evented at WrestleMania. That's just something I want to touch on. Because in the time since, Kevin... Obviously, the Miz had made event at WrestleMania 27, which drove Phil Brooks mad. The fact that a guy who is just he, anyway, I'll, I'll park that. Since then, Kevin, since 2011, we've had who's main event at WrestleMania? Kevin Owens has main evented twice. Sami Zayn's main event at WrestleMania. Styles has main event at WrestleMania. Charlotte Flair's main event at WrestleMania. Who else? I'm sure there's I mean, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair now. All these wrestlers, you know, obviously you had Reigns as main event at a heap of them. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, CM Punk hasn't main evented, which is a Cody. part of it. Cody main evented. Cody, the guy who's wearing a face mask on the undercard of this show, main evented. Yeah. Daniel Bryan was on the undercard of this show looking like an enhancement talent, main evented. Not just one, he must have main evented 30 and 37. So that's pretty crazy. And I think with Punk's legacy, I'll close with this question to you. We're talking CM Punk, collisions just been been and gone. and. Now Punk's back in the A-Span interview. This is all things Sam Punk. This is his greatest match. Would you agree? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. No yes. question. No question. So would you rank this as a top five match of all time? No. 
No, I would not rank it top five all time. I would put the what match. Like I'd say it's it's a. I don't know. I, I'd say top top fifteen. I'll say. Say top fifteen. I, I think it's in that like eleven to fifteen range. I, I don't think it quite cracks the top ten. I'd have to I have to really think. But for me, at least for me personally, and just like the way I view the the landscape of wrestling, mm-hmm. I, I don't think the match itself. I think we've seen better matches, basically. Okay. Okay. For context, just I'm not asking for a definitive top ten number by number, but just off the top of your head, I think it's a good little discussion we can. All right. So here. yeah. So I'll say I'll off say. Top of your uh, head, what are the matches? What are the matches you think greatest matches ever? Just off the top of your head. Yeah, I'll say Savage Steamboat. Yep. Uh, Taker Sean WrestleMania yep. 25. Yep. Kurt Angle Shawn Michaels WrestleMania yep. 21. Um, I would go Bret and Austin WrestleMania 13. Yep. Um, let's see. Let me think. Let me think for a moment. Um, okay. Because I was doing the same thing. Just while you're thinking, I was doing the same thing to think about this. Going, what are the matches? Funnily enough, the four you just list off the top of your head, those are the first four I wrote down as well. Ooh. Which is pretty cool. Look at us, um, pal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a few more at you before you before yeah. you go. Uh, so I, I would say um, I would say I would honestly I would put Cena and AJ Styles at Royal Rumble just in terms of quality of match. I would put that over this. I'm not saying that it's like you know it's I don't know. I, I, would, I think I would. I think I would. I have to really go back and watch both. Well, of them. Well, what significance to wrestling did that have though? I'm just talking about quality of the match. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. quality in ring quality. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're. T- I mean, I would say like Undertaker, Mick Foley, August significance yep. in wrestling. Yep. Um, Taker, Shawn, the first Hell in the Cell match, just an incredible rare five star yep. matches. Um, I'd probably go. No, let's I'll see. Give you a, I can give you a few. Go I'll just like throw them out of you. You mentioned Angle Shawn at WrestleMania. Their match of Vengeance, many would say as well, incredible. Uh, Sean and Ray's ladder match oh, for WrestleMania yeah. 10. Yeah, Brett and Owen. And Brett and Owen. Brett and Owen, exactly. Yep, a lot of people absolutely love Brett and Owen, rightfully so. And then shifting, not so much WWE, but you look at the guy like Ric Flair, some of the matches he had. Oh, Flair Steamboat. Flair Steamboat, yeah, two exactly. out of three falls. Yeah, that's over this one too. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's that. Uh, but, yeah, those are really the main ones. Um, For the modern era sort of thing, you might say the end of an era Hell in a Cell match potentially you'd argue um but Omega yeah, Okada. Was, yeah. yeah so different it's so different um so those are the sort of matches we're talking about here it's it's in that echelon yes. it's in that tier um kevin my definitive list you ready for this this is my top five objective greatest of all time matches there are no better no better no better matches are you ready number five triple h versus booker t wrestlemania 19 all right, guys. Thank you for uh, four. tuning number in. Four. I've got, I've got, I've got five. Kevin, Kevin, number four. Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, WrestleMania twenty-seven. Number three. Undertaker, Bill Goldberg, oh. twenty-nineteen, Saudi Arabia. A banger. Number two. Triple H and Scott Steiner, Royal Rumble 03, where you can see Scott Steiner's thong in the match. And then number one. <laughs> Number one, The Fiend versus Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell, 2019. All right, so, guys. Thank you for listening. It's been a hell of a show. What about a segment where we, we discuss our, our, our lives? Well, are we not doing that, pal? Oh, we should do that. Yeah. Kevin, 
You can't be. You, you're trying to not do our bit. Come on, uh, pal, pal. You did. You just named the Fiend versus Seth Rollins as the greatest match of all time. I, I think we're gonna. We just lost subscribers. Yeah, the the, the Sacramento audience was chanting AEW and we want refunds. How can not be the best ever? I mean, yeah, that's the desired reaction you want at a WWE. Definitely want AEW chance at a WWE show. Of course, of course. Yeah, no. So it just to close out on this while we're here. Um, being a bit more real for a second, yeah, Kevin named. Crunch all the matches I, I'd say were around this CM Punk or... I'm going to throw another so, one at you before you go. TLC okay. 2. Yes. Definitively. No, that, that was... Uh, that, you can't look away. And, and, and Austin Rock, WrestleMania 17. I'll put that in there. Would you say Punk was seen as a five-star match? Yes. Well, you said in the Elimination Chamber review we did four months ago that Rock versus Austin 17 is not a five-star match. You said that. Yeah, because of the ending. So four, it, it, it's yeah. it's four point nine two stars. I mean, we're talking significance of wrestling. The significance of wrestling is is there with Austin Rock. So we got our so here's the analogy. We got our goalposts. What Kevin's done here is hey. he's gone like that. He's moved hey, the goalposts. Hey, hey, Cena Cena Punk better in ring quality than than uh, than Austin Rock. Austin Rock WrestleMania seventeen more important to the wrestling business. Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that there. We'll, we'll, we'll park that. Simple. We'll park that now. We'll park that. Now, Kevin, that's been good. That's been the CM Punk Money in the Bank discussion. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about there, we can pivot towards us a bit more. Yes, let's talk yeah. about us, pal. Kick it off. Kevin, for starters, how you been? I'm good. Good. I'm hanging in there, man. I'm doing a lot better. Yeah. That was a few months yeah, been working out a lot. I'm down like well, 30 pounds, bro. Really getting close to it. Great, oh, yeah. I feel light. That's that's a W. Kevin, I must say, we had the, the whole gym discussion last time, a lot of gym stories on the last show. I mentioned to you, and even if I did mention this, I want to mention it again because I think it's incredible. Mention how at my local gym, Prime, the hydration beverage by Logan Paul and KSI, $9 for a bottle. I, I, I could it. buy a 12-pack for 9 bucks right now. That is hideous. That, the, the drink is all hype, and everyone who's drunk it has told me, all hype, mostly sugar. In the, the watermelon, uh, the strawberry watermelon is good. I'd recommend trying that one one day if you could find it at a decent price. Yeah. Um, I would not recommend paying $9 for it. What is that American? What does that work? What does that translate to in American dollars? Uh, while you chat for a little bit, I'll give you the exact number. Um, yeah, so I've had, uh, you know, I've had like a, I think we talked about this already. I've had like pretty much all the flavors. Six dollars twenty. Six dollars twenty. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure it's like that. In like in Miami, sure, it's yeah. like six bucks at a gym. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, they had Prime at one gym I was at, like dollar fifty, I think. You have like the yeah. membership. It's like. Yeah. I mean, I, I ain't complaining. Yeah. I don't go out of my way to drink it, though. You hardly ever catch mm-hmm. me drinking Prime. I don't really drink a lot. I drink water. I drink alcohol. And I drink ginger ale when I have a hangover, right. if I ever have a hangover. I, I don't really drink soda, juice, or tea, or none of that shit. Not good yeah. for you. No, that's fair. And Kevin, one topic I want to discuss today, and this can kind of be the theme. Uh, do you know where I'm going with this? I have no idea. Okay, Kevin, the NBA Finals just concluded. I was going to give just general thoughts uh, like on this. Because this is the NBA Finals. Is this your excuse Nuggets. to get a 10-minute Jokic rant in? 
Nobody wants to hear oh, a grown Australian man cry about Nikola Jokic winning a championship, pal. I haven't even said anything. This is disgusting. You're putting words in my mouth. Everyone who's listening can see that. <laughs> Kevin, I just want your thoughts. Like, so are, are you or are you not going to go on a Jokic rant? And can you answer that truthfully without you last? You question that. Give out. <laughs> you know it and I know it. Answer the question. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the finals is wrapped up. Denver won the title. The NBA 2022-3 is now concluded. I mean, just general thoughts. We, how invested were you in the finals and general thoughts on the Nuggets winning the title? Let's talk ball, pal. Uh, I was heavily invested being in South Florida. Okay. Um, all of a sudden, every single one of my friends were huge Heat fans. Oh, okay. They all yep. act like they know basketball. Like, I, I, I was vividly talking to several of my friends, and I had to hold my tongue. Because I just I don't want to be lecturing people on how basketball works, you know. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, you know, Jimmy's not trying hard enough. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not trying, you know. Yeah, uh, Gabe Vincent, you know, he's he's such a good player. He's not over over achieving like things like that. Just you know, yeah. uh, appeasing people that don't know anything about basketball, basically. Yeah. No, no offense to any of them; they're all great people. But it was yeah. like everybody's a Heat fan, you know. You go to a, we went to a bar. Um, I think this was Heat Celtics. Went to a bar, and we were watching the game, and, like, the bartender was a Celtics fan. There were, like, two Celtics fans in the corner. And, like, I was with like, four or five of my friends, and they're all, they're all like, Heat fans. And I get lumped in with these guys, like, like these two drunk Boston guys, like, ready to fight me. And I'm just like, hey, man, I'm a Knicks fan. Good. Talk to them. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was heavily invested. Um and on top of that, I just love basketball. So I'm always invested in the finals, except for like the third or fourth Curry-LeBron year. I was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I was heavily invested for sure. I mean, it was an eighth seed story. I'm glad that he didn't win the championship so the New York Knicks, the 1999 New York Knicks, can maintain the title of greatest eighth seed of all time. So shout out to the Heat for keeping that. Uh, I saw a tweet that really just, oh, it was tough to see, man. Somebody tweeted like a, a, a gif or like a meme of, and there the caption was like, Carmelo Anthony watching Nikola Jokic win a title with the Denver Nuggets wearing number fifteen. It's like wow, ooh, man, why they had to, why they got to try Carmelo like that? Yeah, Jokic is the best player in the game. The Nuggets are the best team in in the league. Okay. Um, Jamal okay. Murray is a top three, objectively top three point guard. Uh, he's going to be an All Pro guy, uh, an All NBA guy, and yeah, there we have it. Top three point guard in the playoffs. He's a, he's a top three player, let alone point guard. What, what do you want about pal? Do we watch a different sport? Jamal Murray in the playoffs is a different animal. He's different gravy, pal. Jamal Murray is the reason they won this championship. Hey, he just is. We all know who the the Nuggets' real six man is. I'm not going to say it. you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, shout out to that person for motivating Jamal Murray, if you will. But that being said, Kevin, I just want to say Miami played their finals in the first round against the Bucks. That was the that was where, look at Jimmy Butler's averages through the playoffs. It was a, a peaks and then just it just goes further and further down. Then you get to the finals. Now Skip Bayless and Dirty Laundry on undisputed about Jimmy Butler and the personal life and all this sort of things. Things he probably shouldn't have aired nationally about Jimmy Butler's performance. Which you know journalistic integrity. You can probably speak to that more than I can, but. It was still stuff where I'm like, why is he airing this out on public? Anyway, nonetheless, Butler peaks in the first round against a, a Bucks team where Giannis missed half the games and came back with a, a destroyed back and still put up triple doubles. 
and then they got rid of the Bucks because the Bucks made no adjustments. Now the coach is gone, pal. And then they played the Knicks, your Knicks, and you know it was. It, it can was can, I, a, can um, I give a blunt description of that New York Knicks series for the listeners? Go for it. Go for um, it. Essentially, what happened in that series was Jimmy Butler was all right, you know, yeah. but that was the Gabe Vincent, Max Strus, and Caleb Martin show. Those guys yeah. just they were on fire. They couldn't make. They couldn't miss threes. They, they like I think Gabe Vincent shot like sixty percent from three in that series. I, I don't really know the exact number, but yeah, that's what went down in that series. And then the Celtics series, Jason Tatum or not Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown choked, and yeah, that's really all that 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 series comes down to. So it was a lot of magic, a lot of luck. Uh, yeah, good. No, no, I was just gonna say like yeah, as, as far as a, a plot, awesome run. I must say though, all things considered, Miami's run made the playoffs more enjoyable. That's my general sentiment on it. Because the Eastern Conference, especially going into next year, who knows what moves are going to happen. I think some big things are going to happen NBA-wise with player movement because the Eastern Conference is absolutely wide open. Boston is a fraudulent basketball team. Their best player every third game goes absolutely missing. He shoots too much and he's not that good, Kevin. Jason Tatum can't be your best player. Yes? Can I pivot for a moment? Just Go on. Go on. Kyle, can you give the audience your most brutally honest thoughts on Zion Williamson's personal life? Oh my god, pal! What was her name? What was the woman's name who was Mariah salty? Mills or something? Mariah Mills is salty. She missed out on a generational bag, 193 million over five years, just because she wasn't a good enough OF model for Zion, and Zion didn't go all the way there. Like, come on, come on! Her Twitter was outrageous, and it, it just it just screamed of jealousy, desperation. Why are you wearing that dirty laundry? Why are we seeing Zion's Snapchat messages? I don't need to say that. He's got he's got the game of a, a seventh grader who's trying to be cool. It, it's Zion. He he's just a freak genetic athlete, so he can just say whatever, and it just it goes his way. But Kevin, nonetheless, it was hilarious. What did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was great. It was great content. I mean, it's it's clear Zion does not care about basketball here. You know, a lot of people in the media will say that because they just won't. Zion does not care about basketball. Zion yeah. is only interested in being famous and rich. And I mean, I don't blame him, honestly. I mean, we've kind of seen this a lot with these, like, with a lot of players, like with Anthony Davis. It's clear Anthony Davis's head is not in the game, like some other guys of his caliber and, and talent level. Yeah. Um, so it's nothing unusual. You know, like, I, I hate that people get mad about that. Like, why are you mad at a guy cashing out and, like, getting porn stars? You would do the same thing, freaking media person, if you were Zion Williamson. So, yeah, this is the thing. Like when Andre Drummond impregnated two Instagram models literally in the space of a weekend, that was Harley news. Who cared? Like that's that's just that just happened. That was over a weekend. Two different IG models at the same party. That happened like three years ago. But anyway, yeah. Kevin, I know. I mean, I mean, John Morant got suspended twenty five games for playing with he, what he called toy guns. So. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. John Morant gets gets suspended. I mean, how long do you want to go on this, pal? We got a lot of. There's a lot of content. Yeah, for that. I mean, uh, I've got about 15 more minutes. I want to give this. I think we can we can cover like most of the NBA within 15 minutes. Just we'll get your thoughts. What talk to us, pal? Ruthless description. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, John Morant. Um, I don't know. A lot of people say Memphis should trade him. Like, oh, uh, you know, Memphis is in a good city for him. Whatever. I don't know. I, I think he needs more help than just the environment that he's in, just the city that he lives in. I think he needs more help than that. Whatever's going on with him, clearly some insecurities, bad influences, something. 
not clicking with that guy. Or he feels like he needs to prove himself or something. I don't know what he feels. I can't speak for him. But whatever the case may be, um, it's really an odd situation. And the NBA and just society in general has changed a lot. It kind of reminds me of Allen Iverson. You know, Allen Iverson was painted as this thug, this guy who was unintelligent, uh, was a gangbanger. And he really wasn't. You know, he was misunderstood. But John Morant gets compared to Allen Iverson because that's really the only other instance of this that we have. Of behavioral issues and things like that. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's like, okay, this dude's, what, like 22? Now, if you gave me, like, $150 million at 22, I'd be doing dumb shit, too. But it is what it is. You know, I'd be in strip clubs spending racks. We all would. I mean, every NBA player does it, you know. Every reason John Morant is on camera. Like that that club in Denver that aired those pictures of John Morant, forget it. That club that club's gonna shut down. Nobody's gonna go there anymore. Over. Over for that club. Why would anybody spend their money there? Why would like Floyd Mayweather go there? Or like whoever, fifty cent or whoever you want to name, Lil Wayne. Like why would anybody like that go to that club? Knowing that they aired out John Morant. But back to John Morant, it's just um it's sad to see. So it's sad to see. Uh Somebody who's given everything just kind of um, humble it, you know. No, I fully agree, and it, it sort of it, it feels like a bit of a trend now. It just does. I mean, it, the, the jar stuff's the jar stuff. I I like how you phrased it. You you put it together pretty well there. The, the Zion situation is a whole different kettle of fish. It's just it's it's just different. It's it's leaked messages. It's tweets. OMG! Oh, you you sold me a dream, and you didn't know that. It's just a lot of that sort of stuff, and this will keep happening. This will keep happening. I'm sure I'm not going to speculate. Like guys like Jalen Green, NBA stuff, Lamelo Ball, people like that are going to have not similar stuff to being shown with guns or you know IG models coming out blasting them on Twitter with all this sort of thing. But similar stuff. Like these are the same types of personalities. Guys who are famous from a young age, superstars making incredible amounts of money to shoot a ball and put it in a basket and do some dribble hand you know, crossover moves and layups against super athletic seven footers in the NBA. Like it's, this is what sort of happens now. And as a, as a byproduct, you get guys like Jokic who his, his life is playing with horses in, in his home country and playing basketball. And then Giannis whose life is literally his family and playing basketball. And soon will be hopefully Victor Wembanyama. Same thing. His life is his family and just playing basketball. It's not this unholy behavior like Zion Williamson's getting up to with OF models, pal. Like, it's it's a different time for the NBA. And I guess this is going to be here to stay. Like, you know, Denver won the title. They'll be in and around the mark next year. I think the Bucs will be back next year. They got, they'll have a new coach. Hopefully, they won't have any more injuries during the playoffs. That's derailed them the last two years. Maybe another good player goes there. Who knows? It'll be them off the back of Giannis, the Nuggets off the back of Jokic. Probably, the, I mean, the, Maver- the Mavericks will be drawn the field because Kyrie's there, so they won't be the, around the title picture. But it'll be guys like that. It'll be European-style-led franchises who'll be at the pointy end of the season more often than not. Because, I mean, Boston's Boston. I was about to rant on them before. The most inconsistent superstar the NBA has seen since, what? I mean, he's Paul George, Jason Tatum. That's just who he is. I don't know. But... Who else? Kevin, who, who is there in the Eastern Conference? 
Miami was an eighth seed who made the finals. Who is there in the Eastern Conference now? Like, it is. Uh, I mean, the Bucks. I still take the Bucks. They're still the best team yeah. in the East, in my opinion. Yeah. Hard to bet against Giannis, but so uh, let's let's actually let's transition this. Let's close yeah. out with this. Make this a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. So Zion Williamson, what he's doing, shit like this yeah. that has ruined the dating game, at least in the United States. Yeah, it's shit yeah, like this. Right. Literally, a woman can be like. Oh my God, I'm pretty. And Zion Williamson, someone like Zion Williamson, will pay them a million dollars for their affection. That's what that woman was gonna make or whatever, like a hundred grand a month or some shit. You kidding Uh, me? Like that ruins the dating game for the rest of us, man. You know what I mean? Got all these girls out here thinking that that they could just get off get off with their looks and just go get go to like a bar and catch a big fish. It's like it's created just um, what's the word? It's made the dating game unholy, and I hate yeah. seeing stuff like that come out. There's Lionel Williamson, bro. Why are you paying for a woman? Are you kidding me? Just go outside, go to a bar, go to a club, sit in the VIP section, and just be Zion Williamson, and you you could take home whatever woman you want. Uh, you know what I mean? Just. And this is the other thing, like NBA players now, I mean, granted for decades, it's been a thing where you get such celebrity, you're like a, a big name when you're really young, you're an NBA contract, people know you, you, got, you, you know, generally most of the NBA players are hardly, you, you know, you and me, five foot eight, five foot nine, five, these are these six foot six, six foot 10, big super athletes jacked or super explosive all this. As you say, they shouldn't need to do what Zion's doing. It, it comes off sad. It's 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 pathetic, and yeah. You know, as a result, Kevin, what you get now is what you what you touch on. You know that most girls they're they're in the DMs of this athlete, that athlete. Oh, the thing. Let's see if he'll pay me for affection as well. Seeing what they can get, trying to finesse him, or like finesse Zion or all these athletes. That's just what happens. And then everyday guys, it's just like, well, uh, yeah, whatever. It's just it's what it is. That's just that's just the game now, I guess, Kevin. So ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we, we we talked about the dating game a lot. I just want to talk about that specific yeah. thing with Zion. It's like bad. It's the only way to put it. But I'm ready to get out of here, pal. Yeah, pal. I know. I just want to say, I, you're ready to get out of here. I'm ready to watch like three years of fraud collar on the Nuggets versus Giannis and the Bucks in the finals. So yeah, there you right. go. Yeah. So hope you guys enjoyed. If you made it this far, do something for us. Check out the Spotify. All things uh, with that. With that said, so yeah, we'll talk to you guys on the next one.